Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. On today's episode, we'll go over the topic of vaginitis from the gynecology section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 25-year-old woman presents to her primary care physician due to malodorous vaginal discharge. She says that the discharge has a greenish hue and her symptom is accompanied by postcoital bleeding and a burning sensation in her vaginal area. She describes practicing unprotected sex with her new partner. On speculum examination, there is a strawberry cervix. Vaginal pH is 5.5. Saline microscopy demonstrates motile trichomonads. She started on metronidazole, and she is told that her partner must also be started on the same medication. Now, let's get into the episode. As a quick introduction, the clinical definition of vaginitis is a vaginal disorder secondary to infection, inflammation, and or changes in the normal vaginal flora. So in terms of infection, in very rare cases, it may be caused by enterobius vermicularis, which typically causes perianal itching. With respect to epidemiology of vaginitis, risk factors include bacterial vaginosis, trichomoniasis, and vulvovaginal candidiasis. So patients are at risk for bacterial vaginosis if they have multiple sexual partners, antibiotic use, and or intrauterine contraceptive devices. Patients are at risk for trichomoniasis if they have multiple sexual partners and or a history of sexually transmitted infections. Patients are at risk for vulvovaginal candidiasis if they are immunosuppressed, for example, transplant patients and HIV-infected patients, as well as in the setting of uncontrolled diabetes. As far as the etiology of vaginitis, the most common infections include bacterial vaginosis, candida vulvovaginitis, and trichomoniasis. Moving on to the pathobiology of vaginitis, as far as normal biology, in premenopausal women, the vaginal non-keratinized stratified squamous epithelium contains a large amount of glycogen. Know that lactobacilli use this glycogen from slough cells to produce lactic acid creating an acidic vaginal environment with a pH of 4 to 4.5 that prevents the growth of pathogenic organisms. Know that the acidic environment normally maintains normal vaginal flora. The pathogenesis of vaginitis involves disruption of this acidic environment that results in vaginitis, and disruption causes include menstruation, sexual activity, pregnancy, foreign bodies, sexually transmitted disease, hygienic products, antibiotics, and hypoestrogenic states, for example, menopause. In terms of prognosis, as far as bacterial vaginosis, know that infection may recur in 30% of women. As far as trichomoniasis, infection may recur in 5-31% to of cases. Finally, vulvovaginal candidiasis infection may recur in approximately 50% of initially infected women. Now, let's talk about the presentation of vaginitis. We'll go over the different types of vaginitis with respect to etiology and clinical presentation. So starting with bacterial vaginosis, the etiology is Gardnerella vaginalis, and the clinical presentation involves symptoms of a malodorous or fishy odor of vaginal discharge, and this is non-painful. Physical exam may reveal an off-white or gray and thin vaginal discharge and a normal vulva. Moving on to vulvovaginal candidiasis, the etiology is candida albicans. Symptoms include pruritus and soreness and dyspareunia. Physical exam may reveal a thick, white, odorless, and curd-like vaginal discharge, as well as vulvar erythema and edema. Finally, in terms of trichomoniasis, the etiology is trichomonas vaginalis, and symptoms include a malodorous greenish discharge, burning, dyspareunia and dysuria, and postcoital bleeding. Physical exam may reveal a malodorous discharge, a quote, strawberry cervix, and vulvovaginal erythema. An important note about trichomoniasis is that it's sexually transmitted, therefore the partner must also be treated. 
As far as the management approach of vaginitis, a definitive diagnosis can be obtained by examining the vaginal discharge for pH, a fishy amine odor, and microscopy. Speculum exam is indicated to evaluate for underlying cause of vaginitis, for example, a foreign body, like a retained tampon, leading to vaginitis. Other studies to obtain include vaginal pH, and know that normal findings is a pH of 4 to 4.5, while bacterial vaginosis will have a pH of greater than 4.5, vulvovaginal candidiasis will have a pH of 4 to 4.5, and trichomoniasis will have a pH of 5 to 6. So saline microscopy, that is a wet mount of bacterial vaginosis, will show clue cells found in epithelial cells. Vulvovaginal candidiasis on wet mount will show pseudohyphae, and trichomoniasis on wet mount will show motile trichomonads. Potassium hydroxide or KOH wet mount in the setting of vulvovaginal candidiasis will show pseudohyphae. Finally, an amine test, otherwise known as a WIF test, is positive in approximately 70 to 80% of patients with bacterial vaginosis. Now, let's talk about the differential diagnosis for vaginitis, and the ones to know include physiologic leucorrhea, atrophic vaginitis, and a vaginal foreign body. So physiologic leucorrhea is normal vaginal discharge, which will be odorless, white, or yellowish discharge, and no other symptoms or exam abnormalities. The distinguishing factors between atrophic vaginitis and vaginitis is that atrophic vaginitis is typically seen in menopausal women, and on physical exam there is thinning of the vaginal epithelium, loss of rugae, and cervical vaginal friability. Distinguishing factors between vaginal foreign body and vaginitis is that vaginal foreign body is the most common cause of foul-smelling discharge and spotting or vaginal bleeding in children. Moving on to the treatment of vaginitis, this is typically medical and can be with metronidazole or azole antibiotics. Metronidazole is indicated as the first-line agent for both pregnant and non-pregnant women with bacterial vaginosis. Clindamycin is an alternative. Partners do not require treatment as this is not a sexually transmitted infection. Another indication for metronidazole is as a first-line agent for pregnant and non-pregnant women with trichomoniasis. Know that tinidazole is another option. Also remember that the sexual partner must be treated and sex must be avoided until treatment is complete and the patients are asymptomatic. Side effects of metronidazole is a disulfiram-like reaction. As far as azole antibiotics, this is indicated as a first-line treatment option for women with vulvovaginal candidiasis. Know that topical azoles are preferred in pregnancy. Medications include fluconazole, clotrimazole, and myconazole. Now, let's end this review session talking about some different complications of vaginitis. So complications of bacterial vaginosis includes miscarriage and spontaneous abortion, maternal infection, postpartum endometritis, and neonatal complications include low birth weight and prematurity. The complications of trichomoniasis include prematurity, premature rupture of membranes, and preterm premature rupture of membranes. Finally, the complications of vulvovaginal candidiasis include premature rupture of membranes, preterm labor, cerebral candidiasis in the neonate, and neonatal death. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 27-year-old nulliparous woman presents to her gynecologist for a routine annual exam. She has had a copper IUD for the past three years and does not routinely use condoms. She has been sexually active with six male partners in the past three months. She complains of vaginal discharge that frequently stains her undergarments but denies pruritus, dysuria, and dyspareunia. Her last menstrual period was one week ago. Speculum exam reveals a thin, odorless white discharge with a pH of 4.3 and a normal-appearing vulva and cervix. A wet mount of vaginal fluid is prepared. Which of the following microbes is most likely to be seen? And the choices are 1. Candida albicans.
2. Escherichia coli, 3. Gardnerella vaginalis, 4. Lactobacillus crispatus, and 5. Trichomonas vaginalis. The correct answer to this question is for Lactobacillus crispatus. So this patient's odorless white vaginal discharge without other symptoms or exam abnormalities represents physiologic leucorrhea, which is a normal finding, and thus of the microbes listed, Lactobacillus crispatus and other Lactobacillus species, which make up normal vaginal microflora, is the most likely organism to be seen on microscopy. To quickly review, common causes of vaginal discharge include normal physiology, that is physiologic leucorrhea, foreign body, and vaginitis, for example, vaginal infection. Pathologic discharge due to vaginitis is typically malodorous or discolored and associated with other infectious symptoms, for example, pain or pruritus, or exam abnormalities, for example, erythema, while benign physiologic discharge is not. The normal vaginal microflora consists primarily of lactobacillus species, which produces lactic acid, maintaining a pH of 4 to 4.5 in the vagina, which inhibits the growth of pathologic microbes. This microflora can be disrupted by antibiotic use, hormonal fluctuations such as during pregnancy, menopause, and different phases of the menstrual cycle, and sexual intercourse, potentially allowing opportunistic overgrowth of other bacteria or yeast. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, candida albicans overgrowth causes vulvovaginal candidiasis, which presents with thick white discharge, vulvovaginal pruritus, erythema, and dyspareunia. Answer 2, Escherichia coli, when introduced into the vagina, commonly causes urinary tract infections, which presents with dysuria, hematuria, urinary frequency, and urgency. Answer 3, Gardnerella vaginalis overgrowth causes bacterial vaginosis, which presents with malodorous or fishy, off-white, or gray discharge, and a vaginal pH of greater than 4.5. And finally, answer 5, Trichomonas vaginalis causes trichomoniasis, a sexually transmitted vaginitis, which presents with dyspareunia, postcoital bleeding, malodorous greenish discharge, and punctate hemorrhages of the cervix, which is a so-called quote-unquote strawberry cervix. Unlike most other causes of vaginitis, trichomonas is sexually transmitted, so both the patient and his-slash-her partner require antibiotic treatment for successful eradication. To leave you with a bullet summary, physiologic leucorrhea presents with odorless white or yellowish discharge, no vaginal pain or pruritus, and a normal gynecologic exam. And moving on to the final question. A four-year-old girl presents to her pediatrician with three days of foul-smelling vaginal discharge and two days of vaginal spotting. The patient does not appear to be in any discomfort. Her past medical history includes mild asthma that is well-controlled with a rescue inhaler. She's in the 50th percentile for height and 60th percentile for weight. On exam, her temperature is 98.9 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.2 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 107 over 72 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 97 per minute, and respirations are 13 per minute. Gynecologic exam is notable for foul-smelling, thick white clumps at the vaginal opening. What is the most likely diagnosis? And the choices are 1. Bacterial vaginosis, 2. Sexual abuse, 3. Urinary tract infection, 4. Vaginal foreign body, and 5. Vulvovaginal candidiasis. The correct answer to this question is for vaginal foreign body. So this patient's foul-smelling discharge with vaginal spotting and white clumps in the vaginal opening on exam is consistent with a vaginal foreign body, and in this case, toilet paper. Vaginal foreign body is the most common cause of foul-smelling vaginal discharge with spotting or bleeding in children. When the foreign body is toilet paper or is relatively small and visible on exam, the best first step in management is irrigation with warm fluid. 
If the object is larger, then anesthesia and pelvic exam are needed to remove it. Other potential causes of vulvovaginal complaints in prepubertal children are vulvovaginal candidiasis, which can manifest with itching, irritation, dysuria, and odorless white clumpy discharge. Other causes include pinworms, which can cause intense vaginal and perianal itching, transfer of respiratory and enteric flora, which depends on the pathogen, but will have general symptoms of irritation, itching, discharge, and dysuria, and sexually transmitted infections in the case of sexual abuse, which will manifest with pain or soreness, dysuria, vaginal bleeding or spotting, and they may also have itching or discharge depending on the pathogen. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer one, bacterial vaginosis is uncommon in prepubertal girls, but it can occur during a girl's period or after sex. Symptoms include a fishy smell with thin, white, or gray discharge, vaginal itching, and burning during urination. Clue cells will be visible on saline smear. Bacterial vaginosis is typically treated with metronidazole. Answer two, sexual abuse is always something to keep in mind, and it's important to be aware of potential signs and symptoms of sexual abuse in children. Vaginal bleeding and spotting could be a sign of sexual abuse in a young girl. However, the foul-smelling white clumps seen on physical exam in this patient are consistent with the vaginal foreign body. Answer three, urinary tract infections can occur in young girls, but typical symptoms include burning or pain with urination, foul-smelling urine, or increased urinary frequency or urgency. The patient may have lower abdominal pain and may have fever if pyelonephritis develops. In this patient, the foul-smelling discharge with white clumps on exam and the patient's history of spotting are not consistent with a urinary tract infection. Finally, answer five, vulvovaginal candidiasis or a yeast infection is common in young girls. Symptoms include itching and irritation, burning during urination, and redness and irritation of the vulva. On exam, patients often have thick white vaginal discharge with a cottage cheese appearance. However, it is usually odorless in contrast to the foul-smelling discharge found in a vaginal foreign body. To leave you with a bullet summary, vaginal foreign body is the most common cause of foul-smelling vaginal discharge with spotting or bleeding in children. That's all for this review about vaginitis. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.